Welcome to the Religion and Story podcast. On this week's episode, we are going to continue an ongoing series. Now, we've been doing this podcast for uh, working on our fifth year, and during those five years, on three separate occasions, we've talked about Church of Christ higher education institutions. Now, there's plenty of material for us to talk about here, so we're going to continue on that series today. Uh, We're going to talk about trends within these institutions, not just in terms of enrollment or finances, but also rules and where we see these institutions going in the future. Now, uh, there are many of these institutions, and I'm sure we'll talk about several of them within this podcast, uh, but one of the first things that I think would be entertaining for us to do is to talk about our uh, pedigrees, where we've been, which of these institutions we've been involved with in the past, and we'll go from youngest to oldest, and I think you'll see why at the end. So, Dana, why don't you get us started? Uh, so, I have attended uh, two private schools over the course of my entire life. One is K through 12. I guess, actually, uh, pre-K, but we're not going to do that one. Um, so, K through 12 is Fort Worth Christian, in North Richland Hills, Texas. And then for undergrad and for grad school, I attended Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas. So uh, I was a little later in coming to private education. I started going to Fort Worth Christian. I'm, I'm rocking my Fort Worth Christian shirt right now. I started there in the fifth grade, went there through Uh, my senior year of high school, went to Harding University for my undergraduate education. Then I went to Pepperdine, uh, where I got my master's degree. And then um, I I suppose I I kind of exited the the Church of Christ institutions. Vanderbilt is technically, uh, they started off as a Christian institution uh, affiliated with the Methodist faith. Uh, but they don't really uh, have a strong connection there other than the Divinity School now. Um, currently, I adjunct at Lipscomb University, if I'm able to count that one for me. Um, and so that, that's those are my affiliations. So I, I guess I can count three, uh, three universities in one way or another. We're not going to count Fort Worth Christian College that used to exist in the 1950s or 60s or whenever that was. So, Stephen? Uh, finish this off. What were the different universities you've been a part of? Well, let me start with my uh, elementary education as well. So when our dad was in the Air Force in uh, the early 90s, I attended Abilene Christian Elementary School for kindergarten and first grade. And then I decided to take a pilgrimage and go into the secular world of public schools. Uh, did my time there. Uh, it was a good mission field to be a part of, but then I returned to the Church of Christ educational system by going to uh, Fort Worth Christian from seventh grade until I graduated high school. From there, things got interesting. I uh, decided to attend Oklahoma Christian uh, while also being dual enrolled at the uh, University of Oklahoma. Uh, I was a Sooner uh, by loose connection. And then uh, that uh, education in the state of Oklahoma came to an abrupt halt where I decided I wanted to go play soccer. Went out to Freed Hardeman University in Henderson, Tennessee. Um, That was um, an enjoyable experience, but the soccer was better across the state line over in Arkansas. So I transferred over there 
uh, played or I was uh, had to sit out a year due to uh, uh, NCAA transfer rules, and uh, uh, I uh, played my second year there at Harding. Was there two years, and since I had transferred so many times and um, had switched majors in the process, I ended up doing a fifth year and transferred to York College that actually had a decent soccer team um, and uh, uh, enjoyable experience in York, Nebraska. Um, I, uh, from there, I did, I did my master's at a secular school. So really, uh, between all of us, we've covered pretty much every uh, Church of Christ institution other than Abilene Christian University, but, you know, through an Abilene Christian elementary. So it kind of hits that. Uh, it's that target as well. Um, what are the, uh, um, just for uh, being complete, what, what are all the different Church of Christ colleges? Sure. And, and before we before we hit those, Stephen, didn't you have like a winter semester at Lubbock Christian University? How could I forget? Yes. Uh, over a, a Christmas break, I was, uh, well, it was between my time from when I left Oklahoma Christian to uh when I went to Freed Hardeman, I was, uh, I stayed with my grandparents for a couple months and uh, took some classes at Little Christian as I began uh, the switch from being a computer engineering major to a, a, an accounting major. Yeah. And Thank just you. before before we hit on the universities we haven't covered, Stephen, who is the best soccer team out of all of those you you? So well, it has changed quite a bit from when I first started looking at soccer schools uh, back when I was in high school to what exists now. Um, York is actually pretty good. They have a, a, a coach there now that uh, was at Oklahoma Christian, or I guess he had just graduated when I started, but he's done a lot with that program there. Uh, uh, Lubbock has come a long way, and uh, Harding has. Um, hasn't had the best uh, run of form over the last few years, but they've uh, they've attracted a lot of talent. They just play in a harder division, and uh, Freed Hardeman has been kind of middle of the road for as long as I can remember. Um, but yeah, those are the ones. Uh, uh, yeah, Oklahoma Christian. They they uh, during the early two thousands had a very very strong team, but. Uh, the most notable one would be York College that won the national championship for NAIA back in the early 90s. There you go. That's pretty good. All right. So enough soccer talk, even though I'm wearing a soccer t-shirt. Uh, I believe the largest university within Churches of Christ that we did not cover would be Faulkner University. Um, there's a few graduate schools that we didn't cover. And then you have some smaller colleges that they're wonderful places for their regions and do a lot of good work. Uh, but perhaps ones that we don't think as much about uh, Crowley's Ridge College, Florida College, Heritage Christian University. In fact, I go to church with several people that count Heritage Christian as their alma mater. Um, and o Ohio Valley University, Rochester College. Neglected to mention that our grandfather used to uh, teach remotely for Heritage Christian. Uh, uh, so Heritage and Amridge University as well. And he also right. you know, taught at Lubbock Christian while we're talking about that. Um, Southwestern Christian College, which uh, is the um, historically black college or historically black college and university, HBCUs. Um, 
that's the one within churches of Christ. Uh, so that, that's kind of the, the overall list of church of Christ schools. Um, so with that, let's talk just a little bit about um, enrollments, uh, finances, th those sorts of things. Why do we continue to talk so much about these? Uh, the reason we talk so much about them is because uh, within Churches of Christ, we don't have a central authority. So uh, when we think about people getting together to talk about issues, specifically issues concerning theology, doctrine, issues of faith, matters of practice within churches, and how we hire our ministers, most of the time we're thinking about universities that gather these people for lectureships or training up young people to think more deeply on theological issues. So that's why these issues are so important. Guys, before we go on to enrollment, other, issues, other reasons why we might consider these places so important within Churches of Christ? Right. So you kind of hit on it. I was going to, uh, I guess it's, you could call it a pun. They are different schools of thought or hubs for those schools of thought uh, where um, you don't want to necessarily distinguish one as being conservative versus another one. But uh, as far as uh, a lot of the Bible uh, colleges, that that is something that distinguishes one from another. Um, I mean, it's the main reason that most people go to those universities is for the religious background and people like to go to places that they're comfortable and people are going to um, uh, take those schools of thought. Again, I'm going to use that expression. Uh, and that is the reason why they would choose one over another. Um, and for people that, that doesn't really make a difference, that's, I mean, you're going to find uh, people from every uh, following, if uh, you want to call it that, at each school. Mm -hmm. A couple other probably smaller reasons, but nonetheless uh, prevalent is uh, a lot of people go there just because they know the relationships that they will make there, specifically um, spousal marriage relationships. Uh, two of us uh, met our spouse at, um, the, at the school that we attended. Um, and then a, another one is um just the the environment of the school uh in that way a church of christ school might not be distinguishable from um like a, a different religious school of a different denomination um right now in little rock i'm close to hendrix college which i believe is associated with the methodist uh church but um people go there for fairly similar reasons that people end up at harding they they want uh, a smaller community um, maybe less partying going on, um, just uh, a little bit more of a Christian atmosphere, uh, while still uh, getting that university experience. Um, and obviously, a part of that is looking for good schools, of which uh, I think several of our institutions would qualify. Yeah. Let me make two real quick comments on, on what we've spoken about here so far. Um, the two, two different congregations I've attended in the past have had active student ministry or college ministries for neighboring universities. Southside, where we all grew up going, uh, I guess after we left, but had the TCU student ministry. Um, and then also where uh, my wife and I were in Fayetteville, Arkansas, had the Razorbacks for Christ, the University of Arkansas college student ministry. 
And I remember many of those students who went to TCU or Arkansas were coming from small towns, maybe you know, youth groups of less than 10 students. And so when they got there, they were really excited to have a college ministry that had 50 people in it. Okay. Um, so that, and that, that was pretty good for them. But when you look at a place like, I'll use Harding because I'm most familiar with their numbers. Harding has 4,000 students, uh, undergraduate students. And of those, at least 70% are members of the Church of Christ. That's where they come from. And so that's 2,800. So you have 2,800 compared to 50. Uh, that helps to create the different atmospheres. And as you get to schools like Freed Hardman, I'm sure they have a, a larger percentage of their students, but a smaller student body overall. The same for a place like Heritage. Um, th those create different dynamics. Now, on a related note, Facebook did a study of, of its users, of the users that list a uh, university that they graduated from. Now, of those users, of the ones that list themselves as being married to someone, uh, what college, what universities have the highest percentage of its users that are married to someone that went to the same institution, the same university or college that they went to? So whenever we hear someone talking about uh, this college or that college is a marriage factory, this would be analytical proof of that, quantitative proof. Uh, the highest universities for that are Mormon schools, BYU, and BYU's different offshoots. Uh, Oral Roberts is up there, but the highest institutions uh, also include, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, either number two or number three was Oklahoma Christian, and also within the top 10 is Harding University. So you can imagine that as these types of institutions promote a culture of having large concentrations of people of like faith, it tends to encourage the idea that I'm finding friends or perhaps even a spouse that will last a lifetime. Uh, all of us consider uh, many close friends that we have. We, we might not talk to them as often as we wish, uh, but we have friends that go across the different institutions that we've attended. So uh, being at a Christian university encourages those ideas. So it's with those backgrounds that we talk a little bit about um, what many of our listeners might have read about or heard about, maybe in a Christian Chronicle article, uh, but it's the, the question of trends within Christian higher education. Now, the, the headline trend is usually something like uh, enrollment dropping at Church of Christ colleges, Church of Christ universities. Okay, so that, that's kind of the headline that gets a lot of the attention. But why is that? So um, I, I'm studying education policy. That's, that's what I do in my eight to five job. And one thing that you see when you look outside of Church of Christ colleges is that across the board, enrollments are dropping across the entire nation. Why is that? Well, it's because uh, 18 years ago, there was a lower birth rate uh, than there was in the previous years before that. There's just not as many seniors out there. There's not as many high school seniors looking to go into higher education institutions. So off the bat, you have fewer people and just as many, if not more colleges today that are comp competing for the same number of students. So uh, that's one reason we would expect enrollment to go off completely. Another reason 
is that Church of Christ numbers are slipping. Now, I might have my numbers off a, a little bit here, but I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm close. In the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, Churches of Christ reached their height in terms of absolute numbers, um, in terms of the number of adherents, members that are actually attending Church of Christ congregations. It was between 1.5 and 2 million was kind of the height of the numbers that we saw within the U.S. Uh, but over the course of time, uh, the last 15 to 20 years, those numbers have starkly dropped off. Now, in, when we think about this, not only have those numbers dropped off, but also the U.S. population has continued to increase. So as a percentage of the overall U.S. population, churches of Christ are getting smaller, we're getting older, which means that there's fewer high school seniors that are making the choice about where to go for their college or university experience or whether or not to go to college at all. Third, uh, a third factor that I think is worthy of conversation, and guys, I'll open it up after this, is that um, obviously all Church of Christ colleges and universities are private schools. And private schools over the past 10 years, and no matter what reason you're a private school, are now having to compete against free, uh, free community college or greatly reduced in-state tuition prices. Um, whereas at one institution, I'll, I'll use Arkansas numbers, I'm familiar with those, the University of Arkansas, uh, in-state tuition for their students can be uh, somewhere around $10,000 a year. Whereas Harding, which is a very cheap private school, is around seventeen dollars or $18,000 for tuition in a given year. And when given the choice between those two, uh, oftentimes parents who have not been saving up for their child's entire life for them to go to college will say, at this point, what we can afford is for them to go to the state school, the much cheaper state school, or to go to a community college for two years, which would cost you less than $5,000, uh, and put off the decision to go after a Christian higher education. All right, guys, I've laid out three uh, related but different ideas. Any reactions to these, um, what you've seen or experienced and why parents might react the way they are? So the, the middle one catches my interest. I think your middle one was about the Church of Christ populations and how that affects stuff. And I think we're going to have a podcast later this season where we're going to talk more specifically about the, uh, the churches within the, the congregations within the churches of Christ. Um, so we don't want to go too far down that direction, but uh, that, that does start to suggest to me that um, for these church of Christ schools to prosper for them or to survive even uh, that they have to sell themselves uh, mainly on the thing I brought up earlier, which is their environment and less about that. The first thing, which was um, how they are the hub of a denomination um, or of this religious movement. And that's where the theology and doctrine is shaped and formed. Um, well, I think that is the, the greatest benefit of these schools. And that is much more related to what I do um, that the, uh, for these schools as businesses to work well, they have to um, start to say, hey, come come here for other reasons. Come here because we're a good school. Come here because 
um, our teachers are friendly um, coming here because it's a good environment because we have a good soccer team and things like that, which um, might be pessimistic, but I think that that's certainly doable. And I imagine most of them are already doing something like that. Uh, Stephen, what, what thoughts are you having? We, uh, there's a lot of different benefits that we can address that uh, Church of Christ schools have. And the, I think the, the biggest struggle that we're going to see for these Church of Christ universities, if we want to focus on the universities, not necessarily the, uh, um, uh, the K through 12 schools that are also Church of Christ related, but uh, a lot of the, well, let me start with those ones then. The K through 12 schools that are Christian schools are uh, usually viewed as preparatory schools where they have that private school feel to them where uh, it's more of a safe space for kids uh, than what you're going to get at free public uh, institutions. Uh, and that is, that is their selling point for the most part. And the Christian atmosphere goes along secondary to that a lot of times, even though uh, people that have uh, their kids spiritual uh, benefits in mind will send their uh, kids to school for those reasons that, that's what our parents did they wanted us to go to uh, the high school or, uh, that we did because they wanted us to be in a good spiritual environment where a lot of the kids that were there were there because it was private school um, so that actually transfers over into what michael you made me think of this when you're talking about when you have the option to go to a state school that's more affordable versus a Christian private school that is more expensive. And the most common, I wouldn't call it a misconception because there is truth to it, is that if you go to certain state schools or even certain uh, private schools that are not uh, Christian related, they will help you out more in your career. And if they do have uh, better credentials as far as their academics go, then yes, there is uh, that benefit. But if, you know, we've talked about this before, like in season one, that if you were sending your kid uh, to a school just so they can make the most money and have the best chance of having a successful career, you're kind of missing the mark. Because that the example that you gave for going to a community college, if you go to a community college and then uh, come in after the fact for uh, the uh, Church of Christ University experience, you're missing out on a lot, not to mention that you're in your formidable years or your formative years, I, I should say, um, and that uh, a lot of impressions could be made, habits formed for uh, a university student before they get into that, uh, that environment that could have benefited them. Uh, we were going to talk about some trends that are happening in schools. We were going to talk about what we've seen uh, in in our past and where we think they're going. One thing that is very unique to um, the Church of Christ universities is the absence of fraternities and sororities, and for good reason. And that is uh, a way that people find friendship, build relationships, uh, and there's a brother or sister club that you're associated with, potentially a spouse, and that would be awesome. Um, but that is one thing that I don't see a Church of Christ university shifting to be more like uh, a state school that has those fraternities and sororities because 
Uh, I think even the state schools are starting to shift away from those uh, because of all the negative things that go along with them. Um, but things as simple as uh, the worship environment for a school, something that you're not going to get. Now, what kind of worship is being offered at a specific university that is uh, going to come down to a matter of preference? Um, things as far as the type of modesty that a Church of uh, Christ University would promote that you're not going to get at a state school is another reason that you would want to go somewhere because you're not being put in just a completely secular place. Not, not to say that it doesn't exist, because it does. And there are going to be plenty of bad apples. And uh, if you're uh, a parent of somebody who is possibly looking to uh, go to one of these schools, just a heads up, your kid could possibly be one of those bad apples. And so to take advantage of uh, a place that is going to help nourish your kid when you're not around, I would take every advantage of that that you could. Um, but what other trends do you guys see that, um, that schools are starting to take? You, you can look at some of the uh, uh, other religious institutions around the nation and see kind of how their schools have headed over the last few years. And a lot of Church of Christ schools are trying to mirror those because of the increased enrollment, the laxation of rules. Uh, and sometimes those are good things. Sometimes they're not. Uh, I know that there are uh, Church of Christ schools pretty much across the board and a lot of even uh, state schools back in the day, whatever day that was, I believe it was a Tuesday um, that Dane Cook tells us, but um, would not allow shorts to be worn. Uh, I think it was on, it started off on campus period and then it was to class and then after a certain hour you could wear them to the gym. And so all that rule has been uh, tweaked from school to school over the course of time where I don't think there's many schools left that even have uh, a remote uh, enforcement of that rule. Um, and so that is one trend that we've already seen of all, but what are some similar rules that you guys could see evolve policies within the school, whether it be a, a church related or academic related? This isn't uh, a rule, but uh, another trend that we see is um, in, in these, uh, these grade schools, uh, like you were talking about, Stephen, there's more of an emphasis in those to become uh, more non-denominational um, and focus more on probably the, the academics and uh, making an image as a preparatory school, getting kids into college. I can think of several schools off the top of my head from the um, North Texas area, the Metroplex area, that have made that switch, including the, the school that we all went to for high school. Um, and maybe for good reason there, uh, partially because the community experience at a university is so much stronger than a high school. Uh, a university can probably hold on to longer its religious identity and still get donation money and still get people funneling there because of their that community. Well, high school doesn't have that privilege much of the time. 
Can I offer uh, just my best guess at why that is, why the Please. Uh, the K through 12 schools have started to go more towards uh, just a, a focus on the uh, academics versus the spiritual nature where the spirit, the spiritual environment of the school comes secondary to the learning environment. Um, and I think that is because of how the boards are formed where there's more of a, uh, almost a business focus to how uh, K through 12 boards are put together where business acumen is essential and really what is required to run those types of schools. Um, and because I, I'm not sure what the financial look of uh, each and every school is, but I think that the universities are, uh, uh, they have full-time employees that uh, do the mo most of that work in K through 12s do also, but uh, I'm thinking that there's more uh, of a religious focus when boards are put together for the uh, university level. Sure, I can believe that. Michael, what are your thoughts on all of this? So let's, yeah, kind of differentiating why are K 12s different from uh, universities? So I apologize for getting into the weeds here. They're not that much weeds, but for universities, you were able to draw financial aid from the federal government, Pell Grants for poorer families, and then just uh, uh, federally subsidized student loans for pretty much everyone else. I think that uh, within Church of Christ schools, they will advertise the fact that 97 or 99% of our students receive some type of financial aid. What that means is that students are at a being able to students are able to cheaply go to those colleges or universities and will pay it back over the course of time now many of us are familiar with paying back student loans for for years and years and years and that's just part of being an adult for many people however on the other hand k-12 institutions don't have loans that people are able to take out so it requires that parents foot the bill on those institutions so you are having to sell yourself uh, at, at a higher level. Uh, someone is having to write a check, uh, a really large check every year. And if you have multiple kids attending these K-12 institutions, these are really big checks that people are having to write out. So you have a higher level of proof that you're having to meet. Uh, not only do you have to provide a Christian environment, but they expect their students to do very well on SATs. Uh, lots of national merit scholars to come out of their school. So it's a bit of a different, uh, different worlds between the two. Stephen, what do you think? No, I think you uh, basically were able to justify my suspicions or uh, confirm them. And if you're the one writing the biggest check for one of these uh, preparatory schools, then you probably want to be a, have a say in what's going on with that money. And so that's why you see the uh, people that are financially successful call on most of the shots. And that has then led to the transformation where, uh, you know, when Church of Christ uh, schools were put together, uh, at least Fort Worth Christian was in the late 50s when it was formed and a lot of schools that uh, predate it and ones that came after were not huge organizations um, to begin with and so they didn't uh, necessarily have all the focus on that money because they're basically just getting by 
and they had that focus on the religious aspect of it. Um, so, well, it, to the extent that in let's let's, I, I think talking about K twelve kind of informs our universities as well. But to the extent that K twelve institutions choose to stay faithful to their mission over donors, that has always been a very hard decision to make. Now, one thing that's happened over the past five years is that, um, apologize for getting political here, but as Republicans have controlled more state houses over the past five to 10 years, we've seen an increasing amount of voucher programs, basically publicly financed private education that has come into uh, Southern uh, Southern Republican states, uh, state like states like Arkansas that were run by Democrats for years and until recently have not had strong Republican leadership. So now there's actually an opportunity for our K-12 schools that have stayed true to the mission to be mission fields because most students that qualify for these programs are actually poor students, students for, that come from poor families. And so our institutions will have the choice do we stay small and only allow people in that fit our mission or do we serve as a mission field to bring in poorer students and to teach them about Jesus uh, all while receiving public dollars to do so. So that, that's a choice that these institutions have. Likewise for our colleges and universities, perhaps this is part of the mission and, and let's, let's kind of use this as a transition point to talk about um, where do we see these colleges and universities or even K-12 institutions going? As Church of Christ numbers drop, uh, you know, places like Freed and Harding have maintained over 70% in Church of Christ enrollment. However, places like Pepper, Pepperdine has not been there in a long time. Lubbock Christian has dipped below 50%. I, I don't want to get in trouble for this, but I think Abilene Christian is below 50%. Uh, Lipscomb is below 50%. It has been for, for several years. Are we using this as an opportunity to be a mission field, to, to bring in people who are familiar with Christianity, um, but to, to teach them, to, to have this serve as a place where they can learn more fully about their faith? Uh, guys, respond to that or other trends that you see happening in the future. What you were saying earlier about different uh, political leanings. And I think that is actually goes along, continues with what you were just saying, that we can see some schools are um, trying to appease a certain base within their um, fellowship, their denomination, mm -hmm. and while other schools are appeasing a, a different base. So just as the country has become more polarized in the last 20 years um, on political grounds. So our churches have done uh, much of the same, becoming more liberal, more conservative. And so some schools see that. May, I don't know how deliberate this is, but it certainly happens. Um, recognizing those markets uh, or saying this school is going to stay as a, a more conservative um, university within the fellowship while a, a different school is becomes uh, more of the, the liberal school within the fellowship. Uh, and I think 
Uh, most people know when you think of the different schools, if you're familiar at all with schools within the Church of Christ, you know, okay, these are the conservative schools and these are the liberal schools or this one is in the middle somewhere. And you can probably uh, line them out on a spectrum. I think that's a, that's a major trend that's happening that will continue to happen as long as the country is seeing similar trends. What else? Yeah, before we got on the call, we were talking about uh, some schools reaffirming their view on certain uh, religious issues, uh, and that will continually be uh, something that schools are having to state their stance on certain things as uh, agendas are being pushed. Um, and we'll also see uh, things uh, as far as uh, secular, uh, I'll just go out and say it, people thinking that cohabit cohabitation and dormitories. That's something that happens in state schools that uh, I don't think you will see in a Church of Christ uh, dormitory for a long time. However, you have uh, apartments where there are uh, guys staying in one apartment and then girls just in the apartment next door. And so what's to say that's different from the dormitory where, um, you know, I think, uh, Oklahoma Christian has always had theirs. I only know because I lived there. Uh, all the guys' apartments on one side and girls' apartments are on the other. Uh, how far do we need to keep these apartments uh, apart from each other so that we don't have to worry about any suspicious activity going on at uh, the late hours of the night? As long uh, as you have a security guard right in the middle, you're good. <laughs> no, so I, I, I would agree with you there that um, – I, I can think of maybe a dozen different stories of universities. You only really move, uh, you don't often move more conservatively. You don't move to the right uh, as a university. So when you make movements to the left, you have to be very deliberate about that. Do we really think that this is a wise move for us, whether it's on sexual ethics or uh, church doctrine, church practice issues? There's actually one story I have. I'll, I'll tell this one quickly. I, I, don't, I don't remember a name to drop here, but it was a, at Pepperdine. And I heard one of the Pepperdine leaders telling a story about um, the, the university leadership was saying, well, we, we are thinking about dropping our Church of Christ affiliation. Um, I don't think I'm throwing anyone under the bus by telling this story, but a, a board member who was not a member of the Church of Christ, in fact, if I remember correctly, was not a Christian, said, no, we should not do that. That is a bad idea. Uh, they said, there's something special about the religious heritage that this school has, and that should be maintained. Uh, so it, that's my one story that I would have of you know, a university thinking about going to the left, but saying, actually, no, let's, let's cling tighter to our, our heritage. And so... Um, you know, to the extent that a Christian school of any religious fellowship is is thinking about you know dropping that, you know you're not Vanderbilt, you're not Harvard. Those the the high end institutions that have dropped their religious affiliation, they've kind of claimed their spot. And unless you can compete directly with them, you know uh, you're, you're not gaining anything by dropping your religious affiliation. And I think places like Pepperdine, places like Baylor are trying to maintain their religious affiliation and to the best of their ability, compete with the big wig schools, 
of their of their region. They're probably not going to compete with Harvard anytime soon, but they are able to compete with the large schools in their region. Uh, so I'll throw this out there for discussion because, and I was trying to think of this earlier, but chapel. Chapel is something that exists at other schools outside of uh, Churches of Christ. And sure. Completely optional. I think uh, I'm sure there are other schools that have mandatory chapel, uh, but uh, that is something that is uh, distinguishes a lot of Church of Christ schools. Um, and where I, I know that on certain days of the week, like well, first off, they give you a certain amount of absences that you can use. Um, and uh, there are some schools that have made it optional already, but what's to say that it just won't be done away with if there's no demand for it anymore? So where do you guys think that uh, Church of Christ universities are heading in that regard? I do think that uh, chapel is maybe more robust of an institution than we, we realize. Uh, mm -hmm. I learned as several years ago that Baylor has a mandatory chapel for its uh, undergraduate students, um, which kind of surprised me. Uh, and so I, I was surprised first that yeah, this is larger than just our... I'm specifically thinking of Baylor, thinking that they had chapel, but it was optional, but you're saying it's mandatory. Okay. The, the reason I'm pretty sure it's mandatory, and I, I could be wrong, someone can fact check me on this, is because the people who told me are not people who would have gone to chapel had it not been mandatory. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. Um, so that that said, I I do think that while most of the schools that I'm familiar with have continually make it more and more lax, there are different alternatives that you can take to going to chapel, which make the main chapel extremely small. When you get increasing more skips, di different things like that. I can say for at least Harding, they have maybe doubled down on chapel. I think this is what uh, makes the community of Harding so strong and continue to be strong. And that's really what Harding has to rely on because of uh, um, enrollment issues is keeping a strong community. In fact, um, we the stuff we had mentioned before the podcast, what we were talking about, uh, women in leadership or in worship roles, uh, which is a big issue in our movement at large, but also within the university setting. Um, and, and I would say they are more uh, convicted to what would be maybe the conservative position on that, maintaining chapel, uh, than they are on maybe what we consider a bigger issue, um, and that would be their stance on women, even though they have recently uh, maintained sure. their current stance. Um, so I think at least Harding Chapel's a big deal. Guys, we've gone long here, so let, let's let's try to have a wrap up. What is uh, one compelling reason uh, that our listeners should believe in the importance of Christian education? And I'll go ahead and go first um, as as we're wrapping up here. I think that uh, the leadership for our churches, and I'm not just talking about ministers. I'm talking about if we believe that Bible classes are important, if we believe that knowledgeable young people taught by uh, their elders, uh, taught by older people within the congregation are important, if we believe that uh, strong parents are important. I'm not saying it's impossible without our Christian colleges, but it's much 
much aided. And I think that we will only strengthen our churches by strengthening our Christian higher education institutions. So that's my word of encouragement. Uh, guys, what else are we thinking? Kind of similar to that, just uh, higher uh, institutions of higher learning uh, are going to be almost essential to be able to uh, stand up for your faith uh, against uh, those who come at you with the label of being educated because, and we've talked about this in the past, that uh, even though somebody is an atheist, that does not mean that they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they may be uh, misinformed, but uh, Christians who um, have that higher education background are stand a much uh, better chance of keeping the faith because uh, they know the truth uh, in a much more deep way. And uh, and just as a little uh, caveat, I would say that uh, being able to put put yourself in a dating environment is very beneficial as well. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll emphasize more that last point, Stephen. I think that the robustness of uh, faith as a whole, but more specifically, our fellowship depends on creating relationships with people um, of that fellowship who are spanning across the country. And then uh, regarding marriage, while Stephen, you yourself are a testament to um, the strength of marriage within um, the Church of Christ that wasn't from a university background, um, it's it's obviously a lot easier to find someone of that background when you are in that group of 2000 plus people um, who share that. And we know when you have, um, uh, it's becoming more popular, not in among the three of us, but in general to maybe marry outside of your denominational background. Uh, and I think not only um, uh, th that's, problematic for a number of reasons, but the main thing to point out here is that it, I think it waters down both faiths, uh, the, of both partners in that marriage, um, when you aren't coming together with common core convictions on um, that are aligned with a certain fellowship. Uh, yeah, so relationships would be the big thing I would say. Well said by both. Uh, thanks to our listeners uh, for joining us for this podcast. We're looking forward to talking with you next week. We're going to be uh, diving into a very um, sad but important issue on sexual addiction. So we'll be spending our podcast next week on that issue. And we look forward to talking to you for many weeks after that. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.